0: Peace and prosperity is my first salute to you. I'm Merton Clark, and welcome to the Word of Truth Revealed podcast. It is my desire to build you up to increase your spiritual stamina and tenacity, to empower effectiveness and help you discover your purpose. Enjoy this vibrant and dynamic message. We recently talked about God as El Shaddai, the breasted one. He's the only one who can work so powerfully. That he can take all of our hurts and all of our pain and injuries and turn them around for good some way, somehow. God can turn around your pain and your injuries, uh, your afflictions, and make it all good. He can bring blessing from the hardest place, the hardest hit place or places in your life. So that down the road you can bring hope. To the soul of another one. We can grow stronger and learn to lean on his faithfulness. That's the kind of God we say serve. God can take your broken place today and down the road he can use it to bring hope and even salvation to the soul of another person who may be in despair. I may not understand why we can comfort them with the same comfort that we've received. And in trying times, we need to look beyond just what's happening in the streets of America or what's going on in Europe, or what's happening in the continent of Africa, what's happening in communist China. We need to begin to look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And in times like these, I believe God wants us to elevate our thinking and to begin to think about the 21 attributes of the Father. I've discovered at least 21 attributes. There are way more than that. But I want to zero in on the 21. We talked about this, he's loving. Come on, say he's loving. That's right, you need to know that he's loving. We may not be, but God is always loving. And when you know that about him, I'm about to start a theology class, Zoom theology class for high school students, that I just want to speak to them and help them with basic theology. So as they grow, they won't have this mentality that they can lose salvation or they can, uh, God hates them. Or they may not know if they can uh, make it to heaven. That once you're saved and really know who God is, it's hard to come out of his hands. Uh, Those who are in his hands, the Bible says not one can be plucked out. And uh, you may debate whether you could lose your salvation or not. I'm talking, I'm going to go over scripture. You make the decision about it. Once he saved you, he saved you. Uh, now, there's some people that may not make it. I would say they may not never have been saved. They may have had lip service. You praise me with your lips, but your heart was far from me. God is a loving God. And when God shows his love to you, it's hard for you to miss him. Another thing we talked about, he's kind. He's a kind God. We then talked about he's compassionate and he's giving He's always giving, for God so loved the world that he gave his best, and if we are to emulate him, we will give our best as well. He's faithful. Say that, God is faithful. Amen. There, there, there's a, a thing that says that uh, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God in the pulling down of strongholds. Little children, I wish that you would not sin, but if you sin, you have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. No temptation has taken you but such that is common to man. But God is faithful. He will not even suffer you to go through a test that you can't handle. But will with the test make a way of escape that you can handle it. God is also merciful. He's a merciful God. He's a strong God. He's a forgiving God. Number nine, he's good all the time. Come on, all the time. God is good, he's righteous, and you can ascribe to have those attributes of God in your character. He's caring. I'm picking it up with number 12 tonight, he's sovereign. He's sovereign. As we talk about um, connection and absorption, we need to connect with the, abs- ab- the attributes of God And then absorb them. See yourself absorbing the attributes of God so they could become a part of your character. He's sovereign. And what that means, if you're taking notes, is that he's self-determining. He's self-determining. God is not uh, influenced by media. He's not... Influenced by social media or the main media outlets today. He's not, he's not influenced where it changes his nature and his mind by what happens externally. He's self-determining. He's reserved that as sovereign God, as king of kings and lord of lords. Psalm 103 and 19 says, the Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Glory to God. His kingdom rules over all. There is no God above our God, there is no king above. Our king. We like to say there's no God like our God. There's no king like our king, but we need to see that he's high and lifted above all gods, all gods named in the world today that have a male origin uh, or any kind of prophet that came out of the earth and didn't come from heaven to earth to show the way of the earth to the cross, our debt to pay any one of those great men. And they were great. They are not sovereign we put this on our god that he's self-determining his kingdom rules overall the next thing you need to know about god and this is something you need to understand that when you talk about god's sovereignty god wants you to absorb that that you're not a pomper when you serve the lord You should walk in humility, but there's something about the king that he slaps on you or or smears on you. You should absorb the fact that his kingdom rules over all. And when you're part of his kingdom, there should be something about rulership that you start to absorb. As a ruler, you're not going to be a tyrant over your subjects, but you rule to bring righteousness. You rule to implement the kingdom. He gives you the power to get wealth that you would establish his covenant. Not only is he sovereign, he's shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my mind, my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Let us remember that we're praying, I pray Psalm 23. My assistant tonight is wearing that shirt, and I'm glad that he's wearing that shirt. I call him Popeye. Uh, Popeye, Popeye, Popeye. He's wearing the I pray and it is the I pray message that gives us some pop. The Lord is your shepherd. He is your shepherd. He is your shepherd. He is my shepherd and I shall not want. He's the one that watches over me with a rod and staff It comforts me. The rod corrects me. The staff brings me comfort. All a part of his word. There's a time where the word should correct us. And then there's a time and go and get us. And then there's a time where the word should comfort us. Allow the word of God to do it. That's what it's designed to do. Number 14, the Lord is ever present. He's my ever present help in the time of trouble. Psalm 46 says it in verse 1. God is my refuge. One of my favorite uh uh, psalm psalm 46 god is my refuge and my strength ever-present help in trouble ever-present help in trouble i like that ever-present means meaning that just because you can't feel him doesn't mean he's not there amen there's a there's a thing in love love has in the greek has many different uh many different words like eros and uh agape uh uh, and so eros is the kind of love that you need to feel. It's that passionate love. But then there's agape love that you don't have to worry about. And it's when you start loving a person, when a person is in your life strong, you don't have to see them all of the time to keep the love going. There's some people, as soon as you're out of their sight, they just act like they can't handle it. But there's a love, you know, that's a, that's trusting, a love that's greater than moments, a love that says even if you're in a wheelchair, I'm still with you. That's the ever-present type of love that our God has and we can have a love that's lasting that's ever present for our family and our community our church now can love our church I said we can love our church we can love the house of God David said I was glad when they said unto me let us go into the house of the Lord not go to the club in the club like 50 cent in the club mm -hmm, you know in the club in the club that's right I like it when I'm in the club you need to like it like that when you get to the house of God And I can't get no help tonight, but I'm preaching anyway. We need to love God like that. When we love him like that, we'll enter into his skates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. We don't just dwell at the gate. We enter in at the gate. Jesus is the door. Glory to God. We come in through him and we explore the courts of our God. Those who are planted in the house will flourish in the courts. And so he is our refuge. Another word for that. He is my sanctuary. Number 15. He's my refuge. God is refuge. Refuge. In other words, God wants to strengthen us in such a way when people get around us, they feel safe. He's my sanctuary. Psalm 91 verse 1 and 2. He who dwells in the secret place or in the shelter of the most high will abide under the shadow of the almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. This is another psalm that you need to uh, implement. You need to memorize. It needs to become a part of your devotion where you can quote it and know the address. We got a lot of people quoting scripture but I believe God wants us to get back like the old folk used to do they knew the address of the verse as well I know it said somewhere it said somewhere up in the scripture somewhere in the Old Testament well which verse which chapter I don't know I didn't study I just heard it 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 said in the Bible that God don't let planes fall really where did you read that where's the address see you need to know where the address is there's something about security and sanctuary when you know where the address is he is my refuge he's my sanctuary he that dwells in the secret place so the Lord spoke to me that he has given me a gate and then he told me that he's given me a sanctuary and I'm supposed to find the secret place my secret place is in the kneeling position. So if you would describe a secret place, that means it's not a private place. It's a secret place. It's a place that doesn't have secret on the door. Only the person who knows the secret knows where it is. That's the difference between private and secret. A private door will have the word private on it so all can see. Only those who have a key can go through the private door. But a secret door would be hidden only those who know the secret will go through that door and so god says he that dwells in the secret place where is your secret place for me, my se- I'm giving you a secret now. It is the prayer position. I'm not talking about just bowing head. It is to kneel before the Lord. He spoke to me specifically. Hear the word of the Lord. Those who are not praying and not seeking God during this season. I don't know what has to happen in America when statues are being broken down. When people are marching in the streets. When people are saying we don't need any cops. And yet we got bad cops. And we need God. To give us a message from the secret place. People are confused. They don't know if they want communities without law enforcement and then they're afraid when law enforcement comes. Little kids are screaming when law enforcement shows up. We need a revolution and we also need salvation in America. So we need to start talking to God, find uh, the shadow of the almighty, come under the wing of the sovereign king and find sanctuary in God. Number 16, he's gracious and he's greatly to be praised. He is gracious. It says it like this in Psalm 116 and verse five, the Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is full of compassion. And so if God is gracious, what do you think we should be? We should be gracious, not intolerant, so intolerant that we cannot allow mercy to exude from us to be released in our community. God is gracious, very simple. I need to start praying about more grace in my life to be graceful, not just grace to make money, grace to get a promotion and grace to handle my job and grace to have more than the neighbor neighbor has, but I need to be gracious. I need to be able to lend that gracious. I need that grace. I need to be able to lend it to my community and to my family. My spouse and and my children should see a gracious person person that's full of it not full of it, full of grace that's a good quote, don't, I may tweet that don't be full of it, be full of grace number 17, he is healer I am the Lord that healeth thee, I am the Lord your healer, I took my word and healed your disease, I am the Lord your healer, he is a healer Exodus 15 and 26, I am the Lord who healeth thee, who heals you. And we should think about healing. Even he put it in your body without prayer. As soon as you cut yourself, the body tries to heal. And we should be healers. Not the one that uh, creates more wounds or more damages. But we should be a healer. We're not bulls in a china shop. The bull in the china shop, just as if he moves, he's gonna wreck the china shop. And there are people like they get angry, they just start wrecking everything. But no, we are healers. We had a wonderful meeting at Shiloh uh, on last week where we were talking about some things concerning black lives matter. Yeah, black lives matter. I believe in that black lives matter. And there are people who would say, well, all lives matter. But right now, we're saying African-American lives matter. I would say it like this. Black lives are just as important as any other ethnic group on the face of the earth. Because many of you haven't looked at the Black Lives Matter website. And when you go to the Black Lives Matter website, Black Lives Matter website, it's a different clant or slant than what you see people walking down the street. There's an ideology about same sex. There's an ideology about sexual orientation that's in that. So you have evangelicals who look, when they hear Black Lives Matter, they may believe that all lives matter or that the black life is just as important. But when they read the ideology of the Black Lives Matter website, because it is so liberal, they kind of back up from the term. Now, what I want you to do is I want all of you listening today, before you jump on something, at least investigate. That's what I'm trying to say right now. And there are people who want to be political with me. I have a mandate from the scripture to preach word. So I believe that Black Lives Matter. But I can see I can be perplexing to others who go to the website. Many of us never went to the website. But I want to give you, go to the website, read. Read what's there. Read the words. Whoa, that's what you mean? The leaders of the Black Lives Matter movement in America. And when you read it, you say, whoa, I don't know if I... Go along with all of that, but I do believe in Black Lives Matter. That's what you need to be informed before you just start wearing something or saying something. I say it all the time, uh, the nursery rhyme that we've said for many years. Uh, uh, rock a baby from the treetop. When the wind blows, the cradle will rock. When the bough breaks, the cradle will fall. And down will come baby cradle and all. Well... When you think about that, the nursery rhyme isn't healthy. But we sing it because it sounds pretty and we heard it. Our previous generation sung it. I just looked at it and stripped it all the way down to the bone. Are you giving your baby up to the top of a tree? The wind's going to blow, cradle will rock, bow breaks, cradle falls, down comes baby. To their death, cradle and all. Do you really want to sing that over your baby? Just because it sounds good, it may have Harry Potter on it. It may have a little Harry Potter, a little black magic on it. So what we want to do is make sure we investigate. You should do that with me. Those in Thessalonica, the Bereans were more noble than those in Thessalonica because they received the word with all readiness. Then they went behind it and checked to make sure it was so. Check me out if you will. When I preach, make sure I'm biblical because there's a lot of people preaching today with huge crowd, crowds and all they're doing is motivational speaking. They're not coming from the word. They just use terms. See, I don't lie. Black Lives Matter. Everybody, come on, everybody. And preaching what makes people hype. But what does the scripture say? He says, I'm a healer. So Even though George Floyd was killed, I'm still a healer. I don't like what you did and I'm going to protest, but I'm not a killer myself. Tupac says, I'm not a killer, but don't push me. And I'm that same way. I, I'm trying not to kill you, but I got to. What's in me is healing. Good. Good. Oh, preach, Lord. Preach the blessure. Preach. Preach, Clark. Preach anyway. Preach the word to him. Instant, in season, and out of season. Hmm. And then not only is he healer, he's powerful. God is powerful. He's all powerful. I like the passage here. First Chronicles 29, verse 11. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. Look at that. Boy, the writer is slapping a lot of majesty and victory and greatness and glory and power on the Lord. Indeed, everywhere there that is in heaven and in earth, you're great, you're powerful, you're full of glory, you're victorious, you're majestic. Glory, hallelujah. You even take dominion in the scriptures, yours is dominion, oh Lord, and you exalt yourself as head over all. Come on, keep God up, lift it up. Both riches and honor, the scripture says, come from you. And you rule over all and in your hand is power and might. And it lies in your hand to make great and to strengthen everyone. So if you need power and strength, instead of just raising your fist, let's go to God for it. I was praying this morning, beautiful prayer time with the Lord, and, uh, and I, I started talking to God. I got to that point in, uh, in the disciples' prayer, the Lord's prayer. Uh, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. Give us this day provision. And when I got to that, I began to ask God for provision, and I had a vision. I had a vision that I saw uh, resources in the earth. Every time God blesses you with resources in in your life, in the earth, he has provision in the same earth that you need to call for. In other words, if God blesses you to go to college, he has the resources for paying for that college In the earth, it's not coming from heaven, it's already here. And so as I was sitting there or as I was kneeling in my prayer position, I saw pennies in the earth starting to shake. Then I saw... Nickel starting to shake, and then I saw dimes all over the world starting to shake, and then I saw 50 cent pieces, silver dollars, the dollar bill, the two dollar bill starting to shake, just vibrating. the 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 $100 bill, the $1,000 bill, and then I saw $10,000 in a bundle, and then $50,000, $100,000, a million, and then $10 million, and then $100 million, and then a billion, and then $1 billion, $10 billion, $100 billion, then a trillion. And God spoke to me. He said, call for the corn." In other words, when you start seeing that I'm powerful, you don't have to be powerful. Trust in my power. And when I call for it, when I call for it, even the pennies, I got enough pennies to pay off everything you got. In the earth, it'll start vibrating, start moving in your direction. Come on, lean in. in my direction. My money is leaning in my direction. God's power is leaning in my direction. God's might is leaning in my direction. God's salvation is leaning in my direction. I don't have to be great. I don't have to be powerful. I don't have to have a lot of money because he's big and large. is in charge. He's great. His majesty is off the charge. And when he's on my side, I got everything I need glory to God, God is all powerful so ascribe to him the power say to him Lord you're great greatly to be praised, all powerful all glory, all might, majestic power belongs unto you, you have dominion, take dominion, all riches and honor belong to you, can you release some to me, can you slide in my way will you lean in my direction God says, sure, you ascribe it to me, you love my son Jesus you're doing what I tell you to do start watching the pennies turn into nickels and the nickels in the dimes and the dimes in the 50 cent and keep moving. 50 cent, I want you to visit my church too. Number 19, he's not only powerful, he's one who saves. So what should be in us if we took this attribute? God is always seeking whom he can save. So what should we be doing? We should be saving. Start with your family. Seeking to save your family. Zephaniah 3:17: The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He's with you. And so if he saves, you can start saving. You can't save souls, but he will use you to recover some brothers. There's some people, all they need is a phone call from you and encouragement. From you and God will bring them back into the fold not only that he's helper write it down he's helper he will help you along the way and so what should we do if that's his attribute we should seek for ways to be helpers our philosophy here in ministry is we want people to feel like they belong we also want them to be connected to Then we want them to grow and we want them to serve. We have what we call a helps ministry. Over 33 ministries are designed to help, okay? And you wanna be a part of one of those 33 ministries. If we got people activated today, it can turn into a thousand ministries. Helpers, that doesn't mean you do it all by yourself or the leaders shouldn't do it all by themselves, just help. And there are certain things in place to make you a helper. If you're a helper, you can't use your momentum or your size to work against momentum. You should get with momentum, get with it, and then help the process. Synergistic thinking. Synergy. Work in harmony one with another. If two of us come together it makes, and give 50 cent apiece, we got 100% effort between the both of us and would not wear out. Help. When I mean, you think about helping your grown kids, help them. Don't live for them. Don't pay all of their bills. You got to let them work it out. Help them. Holy Spirit even helps our infirmities. He's not supposed to do everything. Holy Spirit hasn't cleaned my house yet. He's never vacuumed out my car. He doesn't clean my bathrooms. He doesn't brush my teeth. There are things that I need to do. That's why I thank him for toilet tissue, and I thank him for Q-tips, and I thank him for my A.C., It takes people to do that. And we've got to make sure we let God be God and let man do what he's supposed to do. Help each other. Don't take care of all of it. 21. The Lord is the one who makes all things new. He makes all things new. And we should be uh, uh, Genesis 9 thinking. Nine is the number of gestation. It takes nine uh, months to uh, produce a baby. Genesis is the reconstruction of the world. It has the entire plan of salvation laced in it. It is God creating something new, reconstructing it, man falling, redemption comes, and he restores all things. It's all in the book of Genesis. That's the process of God. And we should be the kind of people that want to make all things new. This pandemic is going to wash some viruses out. It's going to wash some things out. And when we come out of it, what we should do is say, how can we create a new path? How can we love each other? How can we recover that which is lost? All things are made new. Revelation chapter 21 and 5. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down for these words. Are trustworthy and true. He makes all things new. Thank you, Lord. The end goal of the Christian life is to become the man or woman of God that God wants you to be. How does He do this? We do this by number one, write it down. We do this by allowing His vision his mission, his purposes and goals to shape our lives. I'll say that again. The number, the end goal of the Christian life is to become the man or woman of God that God wants you to be. We do this by allowing his vision, God's vision, or allowing God's mission, God's purposes, the reason why he does things, and his goals to shape our lives. I'm going to go further than that. His vision, his goals, his purposes, his mission should even shape our destinies. The foundation that leads, that leading essential men and women uh, must start building the character that lasts. And if you're gonna build the character, if you're a leading man, Or leading woman in today's work in today's world, you need to understand that your character is very important. That's what I'm talking about: infusing your character with these traits, these attributes of God. And what counts, if you want to build on your character, that the the ability to build on your character. This is how you build character: is to develop. Watch this discipline. It's not just by faith. The people that just want faith teaching and that God can do it and you can pronounce it, you'll never see growth in your life because the faith doesn't work without action. And so the action would be the discipline. If you want to pray, you got to start off very small in your prayer, but do it every day. So pray one minute. I asked our church to pray with me three minutes per day. Guess how many people don't do it? We're not talking about 30 minutes or three hours, just three minutes that you designate to the Lord. If all of us do that, we'll have a smoky, cloudy service. In other words, the glory of God is attracted to that. When there's no glory, it means we're not praying. Ichabod, the glory of the Lord has departed. We don't want that. Prayer attracts the glory. And we're talking about something very simple. Every leader, every pastor, every elder, every ministerial advisor, all worshipers, all musicians, all sound folk, everybody that's working with with the, uh, uh, the sound or the cameras, people upstairs, ushers, greeters, guest services, food services, all ministries, ambassadors for Christ, intercessory prayer, all of it, youth workers, all of us should be giving God three minutes a day. That's the discipline. And I'm going to show you how weak we are as it relates to discipline. We don't put it in. We don't see the benefit. It takes faith to see the benefit of it. And so we must allow our character. You want to build character? Here's the building material. It is discipline. And a discipline, or in our case, spiritual discipline, is a training and exercise, a drill of activity. A drill, a cadence of activity, oh, hello, yo yo yo, yo, yo. yo, 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 you got to get in the rhythm of it, the rhythm and the flow. I left, right, yo, you got to get in the rhythm and the flow of it, and if you want to get in the cadence, the cadence. The cadence gives you the motivation to keep it going. you got to stay in motion. You're, you're in motion. You're not a monument. You're a movement. You're not a monument. You're not a statue that they can pull down because they don't like it or because you have a bad image. You can, a statue can be pulled down, but a movement is hard to catch. You can't put a rope on a movement. That's why we need movements in America. We need movements in our people. We need movements in the church, not monuments. Certainly not asking people to go around and pull down statues. But what I am saying, you are not a statue. Your God said, I don't even want statues. Don't make a statue of me. I'm a movement. I want you to discover me something new every day. That's why I believe a lot of these things need to be in muse- museums. We need some black culture, too. We need some African-Americans to show some, not just those that are in chains and how you messed us up, how America messed up black people. But we need to go beyond that. We got some people who came through the Middle Passage and they succeeded, glory to God. And we need them in the museum as well. We got some black people that died so black people can stand up today. And we need to understand that's what God wants. We need movements and not monuments. A discipline in our case, spiritual discipline, is a training in exercising or exercise, a drill of activity. Thank you, Jesus. Back in 1775, my Marine Corps came alive. First there was a color of gold. To show the world that we are bold. Then there came a color of blue. To show the world that we are true. Then there came the color of white. To show the world that we're the first to fight. Then there came the color of red. To show the world the blood we shed. That's the cadence. Do you have a mantra in your life? Do you have something that you can pull on? Glory to God. Do you have something that you can pull on to help you get cadence in your life so you can keep the discipline so your character can grow? It's a part of discipline. You need to have it. It can't just be Tupac and it just can't be 50 cents or Song. It got to be something that grips your spirit and not just your mind. This cadence and training will accelerate your focus and your process. And I need an accelerating anointing right now. And the cadence, as you deal with disciplines, will accelerate. Accelerates and focuses the process. And you won't die in the process. Process never supposed to kill you. I want you to think about how my clothes feel when I put them in the washer. Why are you doing me this way? I just had a little spot. <laughs> Why are you hurting? Just a, wow, it's so cold up in here. That's what my shirt is saying. It's so cold. What? You only wore me once. You could have shouted that out. You'd have to put me through this process. Then you got me out of one thing, locked me up in it, and then you threw me in the dryer. My God, you're a mean. <laughs> That's what we say to God when he washes us up a little bit and when he dry us out and you don't like it. I got to put you back in the dryer to get some of these wrinkles out. I forgot, my, I, forgot my, I forgot my iron, so I'm going to throw you back in the dryer for a little bit. Be quiet. It's, it's not going to kill you. Hang in there. It's going to toss and turn, but when you come out, you're going to be ready to wear. The training accelerates and focuses the process, and if you go through the training, you won't have to stay in the process too long. When God puts gold, when a man, when the refiner puts fi- gold in the fire, what he's looking for when he looks at the gold in the fire is his reflection. And he'll keep putting it back in there until he can see his reflection in it. Why don't you let God, through the heat, cause his reflection to be seen so you did not have to keep putting you back in the heat. Spiritual discipline is the strict training that Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. All run in a race, but only one receives the prize. So run that you may obtain. That's 1 Corinthians 9 and 25. I buffet my body. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to obtain a corruptible crown. But we do it to obtain an incorruptible crown. A crown that will last. And there are people that are faded after one trial, faded even in a marriage, after one disappointment, faded in a church, after one disappointment, faded in the community. Can't find you after one COVID 19 strike. But what God wants is people that can stand the test of time and endure hardness. That's a good soldier. There are five corrections, and I'm out of here, five corrections, disciplines, because disciplines correct. Five adjustments. For instance, uh, Dr. Clark, can you come down to the ER? We have a broken leg at the femur. Roger, I'll be right there. I'm on my way. They're screaming, Dr. Clark, you give him a little morphine, I'll be right there. A little denodded, denodded. Delotted. Give them a couple of drips of it. I'll be down there in a minute. All right. I'm on the scene. Bam. Step in there with my stuff on. So what can I do for you? What's happening here? Do you have CC running? You got some, what, they hooked up. Did you get an IV in them? Yes. What about a little Delotted? You got it? Got them? Okay. You'll calm down now? All right. Now I'll go to the room. Sir, how are you feeling? So what happened to you? Well, I was on a motorcycle. Did you have a helmet on? Yes, sir, I did. Good. So what happened to you? Well, I got hit, crossbone, T-bone. Bam. It crushed my leg. Well, I looked at the x-rays before I got here. I made sure I was up. You're not crushed, but there is a broken bone in the fever, femur. And I'm going to have to set the bone. Okay? This is a little painful. But trust me, for me to correct the issue, I've got to set the bone. That when you begin to walk on it, we won't have a compound problem. You need to understand this is a part of healing. Do you trust me to do that? Okay, thank you. I know you're Caucasian and I'm black, but I have the credentials. Do you understand that? You don't really care what color I am, right? Just fix my leg, doc. Good. Good. That's good. That's real good. The discipline's correct. There are five corrections. Corrections. Setting the bone right so you can begin to flow, making sure you have what you need at the cellular level, making sure you have the right kind of foundation before we build on it. You've got character. We need you to have disciplines to build on the character. You can't just be a free willy waking up when you want to wake up, going to sleep when you want to go to sleep, showing up when you want to show up, asking God to bless you when you get in trouble. You need to have discipline. Wisdom is crying in the streets. The Bible says she's in the concourse. She's in the open spot. She will not be comfort crying. How long? How long, simple ones? Will you love simplicity? That's what she's saying. So if she's in the open square, where is she? You can't see her? You can't see wisdom? You know where she is? She's at the stoplight. She's at the sidewalk saying, stop walking in the road. Walk on the sidewalk. When you get to the intersection, don't try to run through it if the light is turning red. You may hit somebody. I've allowed them to create these systems to save you. Just be obedient. You're defiant. You can do what you want to do, and then you drink and drive and get mad when I have to pull you over. There are five corrections and disciplines, and if you put these disciplines in place, most police won't have to deal with you. Number one is prayer. Praying people are not stopped by the police a lot because he'll let you know, slow that down. You may still have a tendency to be a speed angel. But God will work with you. I know some of you are watching, you're speed angels, right? Go ahead and say, I'm a speed angel. God will tell you to slow it down. The first one is prayer. Beginning that uncomfortable discipline or correction, It's an uncomfortable conversation with an unseen God. Prayer is never easy because you're talking to someone that you can't see. And most of us wouldn't do it if the person on the other line was always quiet. Even now, we love to communicate in text. If you're a text person, you keep checking your phone to see if the person responded, right? Keep looking at it. Keep looking at it because you want the response. Prayer is a whole different level because you have to pray and talk to someone who doesn't talk back to you in the manner that you talk to him. Believe me, he does talk, though. And so beginning the uncomfortable conversation with the Lord or with the unseen God is awkward, to say the least. I know it's awkward. I'm going ahead and putting out the disclaimer, but God still wants you to engage in it because you exercise faith every time you pray. It's the foundational discipline. It's a foundational discipline that you and I need to learn to build, to build, to build on. And we build prayer, uh, the prayer routine in the lives, in our daily patterns of life. We become more and more like God. Stamped by an own image on my heart. He does it as we pray by faith. Learn to build prayer routines into your daily lives, and you'll develop the discipline. That prayer brings one of the best message for getting uh, um, you and i men and women to pray more regularly is to remember an acronym that i discovered called a c t s the a is for adoration adoration just bless the lord just start blessing him before you ask him to do anything just say god you've been real good to me you helped me to start a business i don't know how i was able to do that But you've been good and I thank you. Just start with adoration. It's good to know his names and you can really, really do that. But if you don't know his name, just say thank you. Just thank him for everything that you have. And that's adoration. Number two is confession. Start confessing sin to him. He will convict you. Just say, I'm sorry. I talked too loud. Did what I did. I'm sorry about all of that. Confess sin to him. And then confess his word to him. The T is for thanksgiving. Learn to be thankful. Ask him to make you thankful, to help you to be more thankful. A thankful heart, a grateful heart attracts God. Mean spirits, it's a propellant to the Lord, to the Holy Ghost. And then the last S is for supplication. And you may not be good at that, but that's when you go deep. You go deep, you cry then, you cry, cry out to the Lord. And some people know what I'm talking about. Many people don't enter into that level until they get hurt. But God wants you to do that and practice that from time to time. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and uh, supplication. The second thing you didn't know about the disciplines is scripture. And I wish I had time, but I'm going to run through this. This is very important. A lot of people run over this. God wants you to discover the greatest book ever written on the face of the earth. The greatest book ever printed, the greatest book ever sold. Can't overemphasize this. The greatest written, printed, written, printed, and sold. 40 different authors written over a 1600 year period and people are still trying to find flaws in it. One of the greatest books ever written, printed, or sold. And he wants you to discover the, the majestic side, the incredible uh, lessons that's in it about life about law, about intimacy, about obedience, about salvation, about history, about God's love, how God works, how he worked with a group of people, how he turns that to a world that he loves, how he sent, had a plan for all of it from the foundation of the world and included you in it. And he's got something written with your name on it. You get into it, it'll blow your mind. People want the truth, and I believe They're on a search for the truth, but as believers, we have the truth. The truth always originates from God alone. You don't find your truth. Truth always originates from God and God alone. This will cut out a whole lot of humanism. You're cut out trying to find your place in the universe when you realize that truth, even what you call your truth, is really God's truth and his alone. And God's word is the revelation of truth. And Jesus is the physical representation of that truth. So God's word is the revelation of that truth. And Jesus is the physical representation of of the truth and essential men and women must be challenged to read the truth, and the truth will make you free. You must be taught this truth, you must read this truth, you must study this truth, you must me- memorize or meditate on this truth, and you must pray the truth. If you do all of these things, you see your world change. Thank you, God. If you realize that you weren't born to be a, a shack that plays basketball that has a big, that's, that's not why you were born. You were born to give praise unto the Lord. In the next life, you're going to be so rich that the riches here. It's gold here is what you walk on. The, God says the earth is so weak compared to heaven. If you could just elevate your mind that the streets in heaven are paved with gold. So gold is just asphalt. In heaven. That's the lowest that you're going to see. I want you to think about nebula I want you to think about meteorites I want you to think about planets and gases I want you to think about new universes just traveling through them in the colors it just just blows your mind to see God create something or God say something and it materialized, and he shows you how he did it and the measurements thereof when you're able to look over his shoulder and see how he scooped out the deep blue sea and how he prepared a room for you that's tailor made from you from the top to the bottom and from the bottom to the top, that he had all of these things in store for you, but because there's no discipline in your life you weren't able to attain them. He's so big, man, you get in the Word, you start pumping him up and magnifying God. Mega, 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 make America great. No. Mega, magna God. Make God bigger. And when you make God bigger, your world will be bigger. Thank you, Jesus. Here's a few pointers. First, just start reading the scriptures. You don't have to do no deep study. Just read it. You're going to get tired as soon as you read. Start, I uh, don't uh, understand that. Uh, uh. That's the devil on your eyelids pulling them down. Prince of Palace. Kick them off. Tell them to get lost. You just finished watching the game. You didn't get sleepy at all soon as you fast, first hour headache, ah, I can't take it. And then you slip by McDonald's looking to see if any church folk are watching and you get through the line real quick to get something, you eat it while you're riding. Y'all know I'm talking to you. As soon as you start moving toward God, the flash wars, it'll scream, what are you doing to me? Stop hurting me this way. You're taking away my power. But if you keep on moving, after a while, flesh voice gets real weak and the spirit starts standing up in you. Just start reading the Bible. Secondly, read it uh, uh, in a trusted devotional, but make sure your devotionals have scriptures. For those of you that don't have one, I'm doing a devotional every morning and you can get one. Just sign up here at the church. It'll come to your email address. The day I was talking about I must decrease and he must increase. That's a principle that we all need to learn from. That's what John said. His disciple says, what are you doing? You know, there's a man named Jesus on the other side of the town and he's doing something right. He's healing people. John said, listen. I told you all that there's one coming after me whose shoes I'm not worthy to unleash. He will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. I know I'm John the Baptist. I know I've learned how to baptize, but that's not the one you need to follow. You need to follow the anointing. He must increase and I must decrease. It's hard to become uh, felt and not seen. Especially when the world is saying, I want my names on Las Vegas. I need to go to Hollywood. I want to do this and want that. I want my name in life. When God says, when you come into my life, you want me to be visible. You want me to be seen. And when you start reading it in the scripture, it'll blow your mind. Because he has a thing that when he's exalted, you're full full of God. And when he ascends, he leads captivity captive. Everywhere he goes when he ascends, he takes his friends. Glory to God. And when we'll let God arise, let his enemy be a scatterer. but everybody that's tied to his train arises too. Lord. Thirdly, you need to establish regular patterns with your studies. But don't try to study everything first. Just read. Then get U version. It's a Bible app and just stick with it. It's a devotional. Then thirdly, you can start studying the word or come to Wednesday night study, go back on Facebook, listen to what I'm saying, read every verse and apply it to your life. Start right there and three months you'll be surprised with the discipline how far you'll go. Number three, we talked about prayer, we talked about scripture, real quick we need to talk about the brotherhood. You need to be a part of the brotherhood. There's some brotherhoods you need to avoid. There's some hoods you don't need to go to. There's some people you don't need to hang around. You don't need to hang around people that agree with everything you do. Men need relationship with other men. A lot of men don't like to hang around other men, especially if they're stronger. They like to be in a group where they're always strongest. That's the tendency of men. So a man physically is naturally stronger than a woman physically, and he likes to be around women. But it's not good for a man to hang around women, even in the church site, in the church setting. You need to be around other men who aren't impressed with you. Women love conversation, and if you're a man who has conversation, a lot of men be like, come on, man, you know, that stuff ain't working. But you get around a woman say the same thing. Oh I just love talking to you. I just oh, that's where we want to go and hang out. And there's a lot of trouble in that. I'm going to preach it anyway. Men need to be around men. Men aren't impressed with you. They're not impressed with your skin color, your light skin. They're not impressed with your dark skin or your muscle. That's not how it works. You need to be around men who aren't impressed with you. But they hold you accountable. Y'all understand that? It's not comfortable. A lot of men don't do this because it's uncomfortable. They like to be on the team. As soon as the team is over, they become, uh, what's that basketball player? Um... That was the rebounder for the Bulls. Psychedelic hell. Dennis Rodman, they, they just got to get out. I got to get out of here. I got to go somewhere. I got to clear my mind. I got to do this and that. They don't want to hang around people who are going to hell hold you accountable. Don't worry about what I do. Don't worry about what I do. As long as I do what I do on the court. No, life is bigger than the court. You need to be around people and say, man, you're losing it. Men prefer to go uh, through life alone, and this is natural. Jesus said, uh, God said it is not good for men to be alone. That's what God said. So why are you always hanging around yourself? I don't do people. How do you be a Christian and say I don't do people? That means you're holding on to something that happened to you years ago. We're always supposed to find new ways and new methods and to stay transparent. Time is valuable. Spend time with other men. Relationships takes work. Chemistry is challenging. Autonomy is easier. I'm my own man, but you ain't growing. I guarantee you. You may talk, but you're not growing. Women who hang along aren't growing. It's just not possible. You can't grow. Iron sharpens iron you can't you can be sharp all day i guarantee you get around some sharp men you'll see you real dull especially as you relate to dealing with tragedy or hardship when you get around men and you start another man say that you can calm that down no one is impressed with that calm that down thank you jesus let me get off the brothers The biggest reason I believe men, especially men, don't establish spiritual connections is because they haven't seen it before. Men who participate in one-on-one relationships usually grow. They mature faster. What I mean by this, I'm not talking about intellect. I'm talking about the ability to manage emotions. They manage their emotions better when they're in small groups. Thank you, Lord. I was over at uh, SeaWorld, and they turned uh, uh, my, my, we were on the, the, the manta ray, and, uh, and this ride is a super uh, uh, roller coaster. It uh, locks your feet in, and then it makes you lean forward, then it flies you around like a manta ray. I was in there with my daughter, and then it got stuck. And, um, and it got stuck where I would be okay if we were upright. But it had me laying down, and the ground is right there. So I'm feeling like I'm going to fall out, right? And I'm laying there, and after five minutes, he was still there. I want to get my feet out, but I'm locked, you know? I'm locked up like this. And Megan started acting up, Daddy, why we won't move? I was like, shh, be quiet, baby. Because I was starting to feel claustrophobic. I said, please, just be quiet, it's going to be all right. I didn't say it, I I say it deep. It's going to be all right. But inside of me, I, I was really, man, I was like, please, just don't. 15 minutes passed. 20 minutes. Lord, Jesus, help me. My mind started playing tricks on me, man. And you know what I'm talking about? Same thing happened. I went down to Naples, took my family there. I got up and said, let's get out of here early in the morning so we can get back. So we got up around 5 o'clock, got in the elevator, went down and stopped. Ching! Between floors. Five minutes. Ten minutes. Megan said, Daddy, what? What's going on? I said, it's going to be all right, baby. Pray. She said, Jesus, it ain't working. He ain't listening, Daddy. I said, I said, 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 said he's listening, baby. He's listening. He's just, he just waiting on us to, to have faith. Man, after 30 minutes, I said, they're going to have us in. Actually, it wasn't 5 in the morning. It was at 3 in the morning. I said, nobody's going to come in until in the morning. I'm banging on that thing. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. 40 minutes, I got to sit down in the corner. I'm sweating now. Oh God, I'm in the world. Get me out of here! Get me out! That's what I was saying on the inside, but I kept my cool. Finally, I heard a person's voice. Hello, I say, thank you, thank you, Jesus. We understand you're down there. We're working on it. I said, please don't go anywhere. You don't know what you'll do emotionally emotionally until you get in a bind. But by hanging around other men, you learn how to channel that. You won't get it while you're alone. You'll think, oh, I'm strong until a bullet go by your ear. Anybody can can protest. Ah, yeah, yeah, a bullet bullet go by your ear. Oh, God. On the battlefield, this ain't being a coward. This ain't being a coward on the battlefield. What? You better put your head down. <laughs> you looking at it from the outside, telling about I'm strong. Shoot me. No, that's no. If you shoot, I'm trying to protect myself because I want to live another day. On the battlefield, a shack wouldn't last for two days. On the basketball field court, he'll last forever. But on the battlefield, he's too big of a target. Small man can take him out, (laughs) pow, because you're a big target. Bullet that small, take out a huge man. I don't understand why people are acting the way they do. Last but not least, no, number four, accountability. Write it down. Christian men and women have the wrong idea about what? Accountability. Accountability with another man is perhaps the leading indicator of your spirituality, not your ability to quote scriptures, have you opened up your life to another person that can check on you? Brothers are accountable to brothers. Women are accountable to women. David had Jonathan. Paul had Silas. Paul had Barnabas. Paul had Timothy. You'll always see God sending them out two by two, never as individuals. Ever. Jesus even picked three for himself. Last but not least, number five, personal ministry. This is how you build your discipline. Get involved. Get off the bench and get in the game. You must engage. You must connect and absorb. You must be a part of a ministry and stick with it. This is how God develops your disciplines. You want to accelerate your spiritual growth? Start working in the ministry. When you do a gift assessment, don't let it die. Get involved. I know there's a pandemic. You've had two months to rest. When you come back, when we get back up in here, you rest it now. Let's get to work. Let me rest. You need to get back to work. I'm telling tell you, I'm going to lead the charge. Oh, yes. Oh, I'm going to lead the charge. But let's, let's, let's work together. And God will bless us. Can the church say amen? amen. Put your hand on your heart, please. Uh, if you're watching on the internet, put your hand on your heart. Just like that. Hand on your heart. I'm about to pray for your heart. I don't sense any heart problems, but I sense heart problems. Some of you are discouraged. Some of you are hurt. Or distracted in your heart. Or you're trying to serve two masters. Let God be. uh, Let God arise. He's the one that we worship. No other person should get that much attention. That's above God. Put God first. Everything starts to align itself. Father I thank you for our hearts. We lay our hands on our heart. That left left, uh, chest. We thank you, Lord, our right hand and our left chest. And Father, thank you for the heart being made whole. Make it single, not divided. Keep it pliable and not hard. Make it sensitive and not insensitive. God, let let it dream again, for out of it flows the issues of life. Put a guard on it. We turn it to you, we give it to you. We bless you for it we thank you for it we honor you for it we love you for it we give you praise for it we sing it unto you we bless you lord i love you lord i bless you and thank you for it i honor you god be glorified in us and through us and thank you for touching that heart saving those hearts that are unsaved, and cleansing us from all unrighteousness I love you, Lord. Thank you for this message. and I give you praise for infusing it in our hearts. Let it process into action and activity. In Jesus' name, amen. It has been a real joy to share the word of God with you. A special thank you to those who care for this ministry. No amount of financial support is too small. It is because of you this ministry is possible. To support us, go to our website at truthrevealed.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and share with friends. Be sure to tag us when you share at Trim Nation 1. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, I'll see you at the Word of Truth Revealed.